Welcome back to another episode of Data for the People, the Paris 21 podcast. My name is Johannes Jütting. I'm the executive head of Paris 21. And I'm very delighted to have today with me Ketel Leguven. She is the founding executive director of the Hoffmann Global Institute for Business and Society at INSEAD. A very warm welcome, Katel. Very nice to have you here with us today. Thanks, Johannes. Thanks for having me. It's nice to, um, to reconnect back with you from my past professional life. So delighted to be here. Wonderful. Katel, um, would you just like to tell us a few words about the Institute, its linkages to INSEAD and your current role in this Institute? Sure, yes. So the, the reason why I was also saying it's nice to reconnect is that uh, indeed I, I worked, you know, in the development uh, sphere for, you know, 20 years in my career. And I, um, I joined INSEAD three years ago to found that, uh, that institute. So what attracted me there was INSEAD, so the, you know, the business school with campuses in Fontainebleau, in, uh, in Singapore, Abu Dhabi and San Francisco. So this international business school making a strong commitment for business as a force for good. The institute was created within INSEAD, so not as a sideshow, as a foundation, but within INSEAD to try and execute that vision of businesses that contribute intentionally to societal progress. The, so that's the vision uh, that is very much carried by, by the head of the school. And the mission of the institute is to transform business education to go and help towards that vision. Uh, we have a strategy that covers research, teaching and learning, external engagement, and the own operations of INSEAD. And the objective is really to integrate sustainability with sustainability through all these dimensions of what makes academia, what makes a business school, so that then sustainability is not a, a side show in a business school, but it really permeates everything that is done. The ambition of the Institute is to have really an education model whereby everybody who comes to learn lives aware of their responsibility and equipped to try and execute them in the, com the company that they will join, irrespective of the sector or the level they work at. Would be interesting to hear from you a little bit in terms of the demand side. Is there a huge appetite from your students? Are they pushing you towards this? Or is it more supply driven that you say, we now have the SDGs, we have to ex ante change the business model a little bit from the top down towards the students? INSEAD is basically the most international business school when it comes to bringing people from all over the world to one spot, actually several spots, but mainly two, Fontainebleau and Singapore, and then they go back all over the world, right? Which is quite unique. And for instance, uh, right now in the cohort of MBAs that just graduated, we had, uh, I think, around 80 different nationalities. So what is clear is that the demand from students for these topics and the way business can contribute to that has increased significantly. What is also clear is that companies start also looking at their impact through their supply chain. So there is a very practical also aspect of it that increasingly as business uh, uptake for sustainability grows, it becomes part of supplying the right kind of skill set to the demand of the market. So I think that as we see an acceleration from citizens and hence consumers, business investors, there is also a very practical uh, need for this type of profiles. Recently, there were lots of articles about investment linked to the ESG screened investment, green investment. 
if the finance world, I'm not talking business, finance yeah. world changes, could that not be the main game changer? And what kind of opportunities, but also challenges you foresee? Mm -hmm. On the challenge, people say, wow, this is only about greenwashing. Where would you stand looking at finance, investment, ESG, and, and these kind of conversations? There is really a massive uptake from the finance world on, as you mentioned, ESG. So whatever are investments that display environmental, social and governance uh, uh, characteristics. That has even accelerated over the past one and a half year. Generation Investment Management just put out their sustainability trends report. And they, they clearly say that uh, basically in finance, the appetite and the interest has reached a critical mass. They report that there is 78% of global GDP now that is covered by a net zero commitment. The inflow to ESG funds in Europe has grown 10 times between 2015 and 2020. So this is great. Something is happening and something has really been accelerated by COVID. Now, of course, the question is to say, wow, this is massive, but is it real? So in parallel to these articles, you would also have seen a growing number of articles on greenwashing and on ESG washing or impact washing. So greenwashing is something real because the European Union in March this year adopted its anti-greenwashing law, which is the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation. And what they found is what with this implementation, there was a contraction of two trillions of sustainable investment since this rule came into effect. So basically it says that once we asked fund managers to disclose their environmental, social, and governance contributions through standards, all of a sudden we have a major contraction on these uh, curves that are skyrocketing. This is a real problem. But again, these are problems that can be tackled and that's also where the public sector comes in. But I think what is the hardest part is to have that uptake and now we have that and I think that this is super important. You mentioned the public sector and you mentioned standards and frameworks and of, this is a podcast, uh, <laughs> yeah. a hardcore podcast is about data and we have discussed <laughs> it over the last two years, very different aspects about the data investments in foundational data ecosystems yeah. in big data in artificial intelligence and so if you can just spend just a few words on the role of regulation, the role yeah. of data and standard setting. What is clear is that with the appetite of investor, framework have flourished to be able to evaluate where to invest. And what we're seeing now is that they do not provide quantitative results uh, that can be compared and that, in fact, very rarely measure impact. And that's where the Stanford Social Innovation Review uh, paper I was mentioning comes in, because what he shows is basically that companies have had a tendency within this framework through these incentives to focus on one dimension of materiality, of what's material for their business. Typically, these ratings that exist up to now haven't measured the actual degree to which the company is itself contributing to progress on the E or affects negatively the E, the S, and the G. So right now, this is a little bit where we are in the fact that we need to develop a system that provides some harmonization through these different measurement systems that also makes them more quantitative and that also makes them really focus on impact. And uh, as we wrote in this paper, right now we're in the place where we are in the middle of hopefully this shift from um, profit accounting 
to impact accounting. There are wonderful slogans, doing well by doing good, yeah. business as a force for good, yeah. moving from profit assessment to impact assessment. Mm. Isn't one of the biggest problem behind all the, the challenges that we see in terms of moving forward that one key stakeholder, the citizen and the consumer are not clear themselves what they really want? Let me give you an example. On the same time as a consumer says, I'm all for... Uh, sustainably uh, well-produced goods, if the same person says that to his colleagues and neighbors, but continues to buy products that are not produced in a certain way, that might be a problem. The customer is at times is fairly illogical. So for a business to navigate through citizens who are on the one hand not very consistent in their views and preferences, and also maybe not trusting because you spoke about um, regulation, you spoke about things that are done by public sector. And there mm -hmm. is, as you know, a huge trust crisis in many yeah. governments. Isn't that for the business a huge risk? Yes, clearly. And also these slogans for me are more like visionary slogans. There are trade-offs, <laughs> right? So if it were easy and if it were a win, 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 it would have been done. But what's happening is that basically today, nature is uh, knocking on the door a little bit, telling us that uh, we're going to have to make these choices and take these decisions. So uh, I think there's been a role for, let's say, more vision, more advocacy to get business and finance moving. But we've passed that now. This is where data comes in and is, uh, is very important. It's an exciting time now because it's always important to be an advocate, but now we can be an advocate around the county and our statistics, right? So. Looking forward, what needs to change? We're <laughs> trying to get you to force you a little bit into thinking a little bit about the one or two main barriers that you think we have to overcome now. Uh, what do you think, maybe through your lens now of educating future business leaders, what would be the one or two things that could really make a change and would be very interesting for the second half of 2021? So just building on what we've been talking about up to now, I think that one is this, the accounting for impact, because it's very upstream. The series of, let's say, UN or UN-affiliated gathering happening in the fall with the Congress of IUCN, COP15 on biodiversity and COP26 on climate change provide a little bit of deadline to try and push for that. And on that front, one thing that I think is completely feasible because it's about bridging uh, the two communities we talked about before is that I really think that all the efforts on data provision and the development of the data infrastructure on the development front could really serve progress on impact accounting for business. The infrastructure, the, the technical expertise is here. And the problems we are talking about now for business to account for are global externalities that typically the public sector should be addressing and for which we build the data ecosystem. So I really think that there is something here that could inform and help business 
account for these global externalities, which is basically what we're talking about. So I really think that if we had a meeting of the skills at that level, we could make progress on the impact accounting side. And we already, you know, there are already some tools uh, with the UN Global Compact and B-Lab uh, that have been put together. But I really think I'm talking about people, people like you in your network around Paris 21, working with business and bringing that that This is what impact measurement looks like and means. Well, that's a wonderful um, <laughs> sort of remark towards the end of this interview, because I couldn't agree more. We often talk about partnerships right. and often this limits ourselves still to partnerships in our own field. This was just the, the start. This was the start. Okay. I think we should continue this other forms and means by, by all means. So thank you so much, Katel, for taking the time. It was really wonderful talking to you and Thanks, wishing Johannes, you all for the success me. for for your institute and for educating the future business leaders of this world, combining business societies and sustainability. So thanks very thank much. Thank you so much for having me, Johannes. Thanks.